May we have your attention, please? Overspeeding is a known factor that increases risk and has led to incidents that have resulted in fatalities. It's an issue across the railway and various groups are working on ways to stop it happening. But it's not just an issue on the network. Overspeeding while driving on the roads for work is also an issue. One that's currently being investigated at Network Rail that has a fleet of over 5,500 cars, fans and lorries. With me today to talk about the issue, how it's identified and what's being done to reduce it is Simon Morgan, Head of Corporate Safety at Network Rail. Welcome, Simon. Could I ask you to introduce yourself and tell us how you came to your current position with the railway? Good morning, Anne. Uh, Thanks very much for the opportunity to talk about this risk that's so important to Network Rail. Slight correction on your intro. Our fleet is something around 10,000. It's actually 9,700 in total, so almost double. So lots of cars and vehicles on the road and lorries, of course. So about me, I'm actually a mining engineer, uh, studied at the Camborne School of Mines. So I turned to tunnelling. Obviously, the mining industry was shrinking within the UK. So tunnelling was the obvious choice, which took me into project management, mostly on large construction projects, and took me to London Underground, actually working at King's Cross. And at King's Cross, that's where I I changed to Network Rail to build the new Western Concourse at King's Cross. So um, if anybody's ever travelled through King's Cross, I'm a CE programme manager responsible for the delivery of that. But what took me into safety was when I was working in the, the Wessex route. It was 2013, so I'd left King's Cross by this point. And it was actually the anniversary of a very tragic event where Scott Dobson had been fatally hit by a train up in Saxelby on the East Coast Main Line. So the anniversary took place and we had a bit of a stand down and I thought to myself, well, actually, what what have we done apart from some training and looking at competencies? Is there more that we can do to take the workers away from that risk? And I ended up starting something called the Southern Shield, which was across Wessex, Kent and Sussex. Uh, by then, I'd been a route delivery director uh, responsible for the Southeast route. And we put in place something called the Track and Access Protocol, which was the, really the forerunner of what the Safety Task Force are doing at the minute in Network Rail, trying to remove the risk, eliminate the risk completely of our workers being hit by a train. And our Track and Access Protocol was put in place, though, five years prior to that, across capital delivery in Southern, and meant that basically our workers weren't working on live lines with flags and lookouts. And I guess that was the start of my journey in safety. I ended up becoming the safety director in Southern, working for the route managing director, and eventually transferred to the national team so that I could have a national influence. And I'm currently now the head of corporate safety. Thank you, Simon. Very comprehensive answer. So let's start with what might not be as simple a question as it sounds. In a previous episode in our series on road driving risk, Jill Milner, a professional investigator for insurance company Aviva, described a road traffic incident as a situation in which the driver hadn't made allowance for or taken into consideration all the local environmental factors. One of those considerations would be the speed at which a vehicle is travelling. So 
how would you describe overspeeding in the context of road driving? These may seem obvious, but breaking it down, it reduces the ability to, overspeeding reduces the ability to control the vehicle in the timely fashion. Obviously, I'm talking about going around bends, avoiding obstructions, reacting to events that are happening on the road. And of course, it increases stopping distance quite significantly, exponentially, the faster you get. It also increases the likelihood of high impact events. So obviously, if you're traveling faster and you hit something that cannot move or is coming in the other direction, the consequence of that impact is a lot higher. And it puts you, your passengers, other road users, and the general public at greater risk. That's it, Anne. Thank you very much. Moving on, we know from entries into SMIRS and other databases that the primary causes of many, if not most, of our industry's road traffic incidents are ascribed to the actions of a third party. So what proportion of all incidents have overspeeding as a causal factor and how have you been able to identify them? That's a very difficult question and something that we're exploring within our working groups in Network Rail, but also industry-wide, working with Highways England. We think about 20%, but it's very difficult to put a number to it. We do know it increases the risk, though, so it's the right thing to be tackling it. Absolutely. Thank you. Overspeeding is ultimately an individual choice but when you've investigated road traffic collisions and other incidents what other causal factors have you identified that relate to either the job or to such things as organizational policies or pressures that's a big question Ant. i think there's three or four different main reasons for me probably the key one is the underlying culture and risk perception that needs changing So recently, we put in a new telematic system in all our vehicles. Well, it's in about 85% of our vehicles right now, and it will be in 100%. It's staggering the amount of speeding that we've discovered. So obviously, when a vehicle gets caught by a camera, we get notifications of attended prosecutions, and we measure those. But that was really just the tip of the iceberg we found. And in fact, There were many, many vehicles traveling in excess of 20 mile per hour for over a minute each period since we started measuring a few months ago now. But there are actually 5,000 events of plus 10 mile per hour for a minute. So that's significant and it's staggering. So there's a lot to do there. And that indicates that there's an underlying culture and a problem that we need to resolve and it also presents a massive opportunity both for improving safety as i've described previously but but also costs so ten thousand vehicles use about 20 million pounds worth of fuel that if we could cut that by 20 percent by controlling speed you can work out for yourself that's that's about four million quid a year of taxpayers money we could save and of course it would massively cut emissions as well that's a key one for me, but also fatigue is is another issue. We've just actually issued a new fatigue standard that goes beyond the hidden limits from the government paper of after the Clapham disaster and has triggers um, that lead to 
online fatigue assessments, one of the key triggers being that no more than 14 hours door to door. But the fatigue assessments, they measure sleep and alertness at the time and if necessary, put risk management plans in place, but certainly will put mitigations in place and consider mitigations for training all our people on these things like shared driving, extra breaks or using public transport if that can be done. Obviously, there can also, the third one probably is pressure to get work done. So there's enormous pressure on our teams to get the operational railway up and running in time every morning or to keep it running during peak hours. Obviously, we are aware of that risk. We train our leaders and our supervisors to make sure that they don't have any unintended impact of what they ask for. So a real, really good example of this is actually what you say makes a massive difference. So if I say, I want this done safely, but it has to be finished by 4am for the railway to open. Actually, the team's only really here. It has to be finished by 4am for the railway to open. They didn't hear the safety bit. So the leadership bit, the supervision bit, is you turn that around, you say, we want to get this railway open by 4am, but it has to be done safely. All I've done there is move things around the butt. That type of training is really important to us. Uh, we have worksafes where people can talk about, they can stop a job essentially if they believe it's not safe to continue. And of course, we have our 10 life-saving rules, which all our teams are trained on and are really our last line of defence, two of which uh, relate to road risk, both for speeding, not wearing seat belts but also not using mobile devices while you're driving. And then the final one would be number four, condition of vehicles. So the tyres, the brakes, the lights. So uh, we have daily checks, supervisors and inspections. We have audits, various layers of assurance. And we provide insights on what all that is telling us across the business at various different levels. Sorry, Ant, that was quite a long answer, but it was quite a big question. It was indeed, Simon. Thank you very much. You've actually answered what was going to be my final question is, what is Network Rail doing about overspeeding and the risk that comes from that? And what I hope this has done, it's been a very, very good and comprehensive answer. I hope it will give food for thought to others to look at some of those mitigations and apply them themselves. Simon Morgan, thank you very much for taking the time to talk to me today. And also to our listeners, as ever, until the next time, stay well and stay safe. Mm-hmm.